Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. I am your host, Chris Lee. In today's show, Seabass joins us. We will talk Vanderbilt football. We will talk about the NFL draft that just happened and Dio Odingbo being picked by the Colts. At the end of the podcast, stay tuned for a special segment. Braden Gall, who is at the 440 Network, of which we are a part, interviewed Jawan Williams on this week's episode of the Fringe Element podcast. Braden and Aaron Dugan, of course you may know Aaron, who once worked inside of Vanderbilt Athletics Communications, had a nice segment with Jawan. We're going to air... Just a few minutes of that, but you can hear the entire 40-minute interview again at the Fringe Element. You can pick that up where you get your podcasts. Our news is presented by our good friends at Sutherland and Belk, an SEC sports-loving injury firm in Nashville. These guys will shoot you straight on your rights and options when you have been injured in an accident. Please call them at 615-846-6200 to get your questions answered. You can also visit them online at sbinjurylaw.com. Vanderbilt loses its midweek game with Louisville. That score 7-2 in Louisville. Commodore's back home now. They will have a three-game series with Alabama starting on Friday again at Hawkins Field. Seabass appears on the guest line. That's presented by our friends Scott and Missy Tannen at Bowling Branch. You've heard me rave about Bowling Branch sheets for years and for good reason. And all you've got to do to find out why is not to take my word for it but to try them yourself, you can go to bowlandbranch.com, enter the promo code VANDY. You'll get $50 off your first set of sheets. If you don't like them, you can send them back, but you're not going to want to. They are comfortable out of the bag. They get more comfortable with every washing. You can see what 100% rain-fed organic cotton means in terms of comfort. Again, don't just take my word for it. Try it. Go to Bowling Branch today, enter the promo code VANDY and get $50 off your first set of sheets. Seabass joins us from WNWS in Jackson, Tennessee. Good to have you back, my man. Hey, what's happening, Snuffleupagus? What you doing? When's the last time we did this? Like three weeks ago? Uh, Yeah, yeah, about, about. Sounds about right. Yeah, it's, it's at uh, a time of year where baseball is most of what there is to talk about, um, but... We had the draft to talk about, and Vanderbilt got a player selected, and he happened to go to your favorite team. You know, uh, yeah, I, I tweeted. I said, you, "You're living my dream. You're, you're living my life." <laughs> he did. He he's done the two things that I've probably wanted to do more than anything in the world: play for Vanderbilt and then get drafted by the Colts. Fifty-fourth uh, overall, man. I want you to think about what that kind of says about what the NFL things about him because the Colts weren't the only one after him at that point. The Colts felt that they had to make that move right then and there, or they weren't going to get a guy who, even though has a torn Achilles uh, by some uh, still had, uh, they had a first rate ground, a first ground grade on him. And he, he got slipped to 54 because of the injury and they just felt they couldn't wait any longer. And pass rush was a, was certainly a, a need uh, for 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 the Colts and I got to tell you, man, when you pair Quiddy Pay with Dio Adangbo, you know when Dio and the beauty of it is that Dio does not have to get back, you know, in October, you know Dio could 
I think Dio could almost you could almost see a track the way you did with Jeffrey Simmons with John Robinson. You know, I mean, I think they knew going in there was a chance that he would miss a significant amount of time and possibly uh, the entire year. That did not happen. He flashed right away when when he when he finally was able to play. He flashed, and you know, I'm going to tell you something. I, you know, I mean, we didn't look. Dio didn't get a ton of love just because we were so bad defensively, but that doesn't change the fact that he is a fantastic football player. Uh, and I, I think the, the sky is the limit for this guy, not because he was drafted by the Colts, uh, but because, first of all, the dude's got an insane motor. And secondly, the arms, I mean, the link on the arms of this guy, I mean, it's impossible. I don't know how a lineman is supposed to get up into his chest. You know what I mean? I mean, there's, there's just no way in. He'd have to stand straight up and throw his hands up in the air for you to be able to get underneath and into those pads, you know, what's the best way to keep somebody from doing that, you know, with your arms, get them locked out there. And, and I, I just don't see how an offensive lineman is going to do it with the length that this guy's got. You can move him inside, you can play him outside. And what's, you know, what's dial go about two eighty? Yeah. You know, at, at, what, six, four, six, five with the longest arms you've ever seen and two eighty. And, 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 and at times a relentless motor, and it's like I told you, when, you know, the fact is, is there was not a lot of pressure and a lot of other people for the, an offensive line to have to worry about outside of where number 10 was. You know, where's 48? But, you know, I mean, where's number 10? And he was the central focus and was still fairly effective, you know, considering that we had basically hardly anything else production-wise uh, from the rest of that, that group. So, I, you know, I, hey, to me, this is a super upside. Let me tell you something that I know about Chris Ballard, uh, because I've seen every pick he's ever done. Uh, he is all about best player available. That's what he's about. I mean, I have seen him pass up positions that are clearly needed. I mean, because think about this, Chris. Now, they needed more than one pass rusher, but they absolutely had to have a left tackle, and they, didn't go, they, they did not address it uh, in favor of Dio. You know, in favor of Dial. Right now, if they played Sam Tevy, do you even know who Sam Tevy is? I do not. You do not. And I would venture to guess that anybody who's not a Charger fan listening to this podcast would have zero idea who Sam Tevy is. But that's the projected starter at left tackle right now for them if they were to take the field today. That's how much they thought of Dio, a guy who, who literally may have to redshirt, but they think he's that good, and so much so – uh, uh, you know, the Colts do a feature where they video the draft, uh, the, 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 the draft room and the war room. And when they call the prospects after, you know, and get them on the phone, let them know they're about to uh, talk, uh, to take them right there. And I loved what, uh, what Jim Mercer said to him, Chris, he said, he said, first of all, congratulations to you and your family and how hard and how much y'all sacrificed through all this. And he said, I'm proud to tell, I'm proud to say that I'm make I'm about to make you a millionaire. I thought that was really cool. <laughs> that I, would I be cool. That really, yeah, that's what that was. Uh, Jim Mercy that said that to him. Uh, but you know, it's funny listening to Dio. Dio was just his voice was like this. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Ready to go. Ready to get there. Me, man, I'm butt naked down to Mumbry and running up and down the street saying I'm a Colt. You know, 
<laughs> but but he was just so he was just level-headed about it and and i really believe chris i really do not just because i want it to happen but i think dio you know and the one of the things that you and i talked about just a few minutes ago before we started doing this i said you know look Stephen Weatherly has carved out a very nice career for himself in the NFL, right? I mean, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I mean, he's on a second contract, so... Dio's a better prospect. Dio's oh, better yeah, prospect. yeah. Well, Stephen was... There's no question. Stephen was misused. I mean... <laughs> yes. Anyway. Yeah, but, I mean, I, look, as, as, and Stephen's done well, and I'm very proud of him. Dio's a much better prospect, I think, and I, I expect him to flourish especially you know i mean look with the makeup of that front seven you know now when you add uh, a dangbo and, and pay you know who you doubling you know double the force but i mean you can deport double the force buckner but i mean if he's sitting right next to quitty pay and quitty pay is what they think he's going to be same other side grover stewart a dangbo darius leonard I mean, I think I think Dial's walking into a fantastic situation. I really do, and I couldn't be more pleased for him. I have searched back in the Wayback Machine on our site, and we do these things called coaches analysis where we go back and talk to – or don't go back. When a player commits, we try to talk to his high school coach and see what he has to say. And Donovan Stewart did a piece for us in 2016 after he committed. I'm just going to read you some quotes – from his high school coach and, and tell me if this was prophetic or not. Uh, these are quotes from Terry Smith. Dio is extremely athletic. He has tremendous length and flexibility that makes it hard on offensive linemen. Now, look, I mean, everybody could, could tell you that, right? But he's intelligent, has good speed, and has a tremendous work ethic. He rarely misses a workout and is driven to get better every day. When he truly learns the position, he will really be hard to handle, but he's a good athlete just raw to position. Uh, furthermore, goes on, Dio's very explosive. He comes off the ball very well and uses his long arms to keep blockers off him. He's still learning the position, but will be tremendous once he really learns the position and his development this season will be big for our team. He can use his hands to get rid of an offensive line, but, but he really does use his speed to his advantage, which puts, def or which puts linemen at a, at a disadvantage. Yeah, and speed and length, and that's extremely prophetic. But it's—I mean—it's who he is as a play, was as a as, as a player, you know. And, and you know, initially, remember he played in the Taps Division of Texas uh, high school football, which is not the private school football there is not like it is here. You know, here the privates. Oh well, they're both good, but you know, the privates are easily some of the best football teams in the state. That's not the case in Texas. He ended up transferring, I think it was to Timberview or something like that, uh, you know, and, and, and still having a, a really good effect. But, no, this guy, I mean, this, the things that he was talking about is the things that I was telling you about. I mean, I, it, it, and then you couple the fact that he's got a tremendous first step, tremendous first step, and as an offensive lineman, if I can't get my hands on you, how am I supposed to beat you, you know? And if you're already faster than me, longer than me, and I can't, uh, it's going to be a long day for me. And Dio frustrated a lot of players uh, in, in a great conference without a lot of help. And I, I just, I, I think he is in for a, a really, really good career. And it's, it, it spurred me to think about a question uh, for a second, Chris. Let's think about this for a second. And, and 
I may be leaving some people out, obviously, you know, when I, when this, I wasn't even thinking about this till you were talking until you were talking to that coach uh, was talking about some of the things that he liked about Dio. So let me ask you this, Chris, of the sets of brothers that we've had in the last 20 years, I guess, is he the most successful, not the, the, the group themselves, but just what, of one of the individuals who is a brother or, you know, that, that played on this team, the, the younger brother, the older brother, whatever the case may be. Uh, I'm, I may be leaving somebody out, but is he the most successful? Okay, let's first of all, let's name brothers who played at Vanderbilt. Uh, okay. And I don't mean Jeff brothers. Um, let's see. I think the first set of prominent brothers I remember were the Gaineses. Yeah. I think that's the uh, best set of brothers, period, because both of them were very good players. Was uh, Brad and Chris, is that right? Is that what yeah, it was? yes, they were. And I would say of all the brothers, Chris was probably the best player that they ever had here. Maybe not the most talented, but had the best career. I mean, he was, what, he was an All-American or close to it. So, Dyer was, Dyer was a good player here. He was never that level in terms of college. Now, look, Chris Gaines, I don't think, ever played a snap in the league unless it would have been uh, the strike yeah, years, maybe, when, when they had the scab players. But Dio, you know, has just stuff that, Chris never had speed and length. And again, nothing, nothing, nothing bad about Chris. I mean, he had a had a tremendous career, um, and just was all over the field like few have ever been. But we're just to compare what we're talking about. Let's differentiate. Uh, let's see. Who was Chris Young's brother? Uh, Antoine Bradford. Yeah, I mean, they were both. Uh, Bradford did some nice things. Young contributed. Never was what they thought he would be. Oh, how many other brothers have there been? Oh, Josh and Emmanuel Smith. Yeah, yeah. Um, neither of those guys really turned out like we thought. Both contributed. Um, oh, I had just one pop into my head and it's gone. Oh, the Pinkneys. Yeah. Jalen was only at Vanderbilt for one year. Talented, but didn't work out. Uh, Jared obviously turned into a, a very nice player. I know there's more. Yeah, three, of those, three, three of those sets have played played under uh, uh, Coach Franklin. Uh, excuse me, Coach Coach uh, Coach uh, Coach uh, Mason. Yeah, and uh, off off the top of my head, I would have to say. That's the second best pair of brothers in terms of. Oh, I've got another one. I've got another one. Okay. Uh, you're gonna have to help me with the with the uh, with the younger brother, uh, the Byrams, Jamie Byram and uh, Will. Uh, was it Will? Maybe. Uh, these guys were from something Grove, Ohio? Ohio, Ohio, or something like that. But it was the Byram brothers, remember? Uh, J uh, Jamie was the older brother, I, I do believe. Is I want right? to say, uh, have they had any offensive linemen brothers? Uh, no, 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 the no, Graf and Reeds, no, no. that's, that's who I'm thinking. It. No, yeah. I've got it. It was Jamie and Eric Byram. Eric, okay. Yeah, Jamie and Eric Byram, that's right. And, uh, of course, you just mentioned the Graf and Reeds. Uh, was it Allen and... Uh, 
I can't remember. I'm trying to think. It's Byron? I would have done more homework on this, but I just thought about it a few minutes ago because we've had sets of brothers here. Uh, but, I mean, I I would have to say, and I'm sure there's a few more uh, that, that we haven't thought about, but that I just, I mean, I, I think Dio is, as far as the next level, is easily going to be number one as far as that goes. And if I remember correctly, and they weren't brothers, they now, now, if you use this, then it's the answer is this. Now, I don't think that they were brothers, but you'll have to remind me, weren't Corey Chavis and Fred Vincent cousins? Yes, they were, or are. Okay. Yeah, they're cousins, if I remember correctly. They were both fantastic. Yeah, that's. I think they win the family members, if you want to go there. Yeah. I, I think that Corey and, and Fred were the, were the best tandem of family members they ever had. I yeah, think that I think that the Gaineses were the best brothers, but I think the Odingbos would be second in terms of what they did at Vanderbilt. Yeah, because I mean, Dari was a bad football player. He just uh, he just didn't have to. I mean, look, he was a complete his his body type was completely different from Dio's, but he was a good player. I mean, he's, he's a tough guy. You know, they like a like a big giant. He's a rhino, you know what I'm saying? It's like a rhino. He was tough as he can be. Uh, but Dio's just got physical features that you either have or you don't. They didn't coach him into that. He just had them, you know, and he knew how to use them. And so, yeah, that's an interesting thing. You know, I, I guarantee you, Chris, where, where I bet you there's a bunch more, not a bunch more, but I bet there's more that we're just not thinking about right off the top of our head. But uh, it's an interesting thought because I know that, that Mason, you know, because we always talk about that. Well, Mason got the older brother, so he has a chance to close. And, and Mason did a good job at that, by the way. You know, he, he did a pretty good job. Now, the Byrams, I believe, played under Bobby Johnson. Yeah, I, that sounds right. I, I, I think is the case, if I remember correctly. Uh, but, yeah, just, just something that popped into my head. Um, the Alan George and B.J. Anderson were just high school teammates, right? I don't think they're related, are they? Uh, I don't th- no. They just went. Yeah, they just went to the same school. Is is all that was? You know. Oh, oh, good grief, good grief, Chris! You should be a, you should be ashamed of yourself. We have a pair of them on the team right now. Well, the orgies, of course. Yeah, the orgies. Now, the younger brother, who is, uh, I think he committed to what Vitek. I think it is. I don't think he's going to be there in Nashville. Uh, but Austin, I mean, Austin and uh, Anthony, there's another set of extremely highly recruited brothers, by the way. You know, and I still, you know, I'm still holding out hope, for, I, I, you know, for Anthony to, to make an impact. Anthony will start this year, I think. Yeah. yeah well, he started, he, he was their leading tackler last year, so. Yeah, I'm talking about turning into because I really I thought they were both going to be big time players at Vanderbilt, but I mean I I can I can see Anthony really coming along. So I've you got know, the media. Austin, I, don't know if it was, I don't know if it was a if it's just scheme or whatever. I mean all the physical attributes are there. I don't know why the light bulb hadn't gone off. Maybe maybe it's scheme. I don't know. I'm not there. I don't know what the situation is, but. I mean, good grief. I mean, he's one of those guys that if you look at him, if you're trying to draw one or have one, one getting off the bus, it would be him. And they just hadn't. But maybe that will change under Doug Lee. Who was it you said Chris Young's stepbrother was? I thought it was Antoine Bradford. Did we just. 
Yeah, Antoine Bradford. Okay, you said that. Okay, I, I thought we said somebody else. I'm going through the media guide. I'm going through the media guide. They've got all the players listed by last name alphabetically. I'm not going to go through and just read everything line by line. I'm just looking through. We did a pretty good job, though, of remembering a bunch of brothers just right off the bat. I thought so. <laughs> Seeing that you sprung this on both of us in the middle of the podcast. I mean, it literally just came to me while you were reading that stuff off. The fact that we were able to get any of them outside of ones that are playing right now, I'm still pretty good about. Yeah, those those are kind of the fun ones where you just kind of see how much you can recall right then and there. If you're using fun, uh, family, uh, what would be interesting is uh, uh, what was uh, – didn't I, I don't remember? I think it was maybe his uncle. Didn't Marcus Bugs' uncle play at Vanderbilt or something like that? Was it Wayman? I think that's right. I think yeah. they were, it was uncle and nephew, right? Was that the yeah? And they were like 25 years apart. Yeah, I, I knew there was a connection, but I just didn't remember what the connection was. Man, you know, I guarantee if we did some digging, you'd find a lot more connections like that. That's pretty cool. Good job. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you would. Um, but anyway, I guess <laughs> we're going to look really stupid if we do this, and there was somebody that was super obvious that we missed, but I'm okay with it. Well, I mean, I think we've done pretty well. I mean, just for, for no research whatsoever. You know, and it's interesting. And I tell you what, man. I mean, this that stuff matters because, you know, if you could, if you can, parlay those relationships. Because sometimes, you know, you you're, it puts you in on guys that you would absolutely have zero chance at. You know, and and gives you a chance. And you know, I mean, l- let's face it. A lot of those names that we're talking about, the elder, did not exactly play on great football teams. You know, as I'm looking through this, I'm thinking it sure is a shame they couldn't pull Jair George's dad. <laughs> uh, yeah. Talk yeah. about the ones you, you well, just but, just but, you got the wrong half of the pair. Um, well, you know, maybe maybe they'll get a chance to to get with Eddie in a couple of years playing him or something like that. Which I, I got to tell you, and I know that's this is that's not very but related, but I just. I don't know how you hire a coach who's never been a, a coach. Oh, I, I know. A, a coach at all. You know, I mean, he's never been a coach before. How do you give so? Let me tell TSU is a proud football program, and I love Eddie George. This is not about him. I just don't know how you hire somebody that's never been a football coach before. I know. I know. Oh, but whatever. You know, I mean, I mean, but frankly, you know what it really sounds like to me? It sounds to me like they hired Jeff George as their head coach without actually hiring Jeff George as their head coach. Excuse yeah. me. Jeff Fisher. Jeff Fisher. <laughs> I don't think you want Jeff George as your head coach. Um, well, yeah, Fisher, Fisher was itching to get back into, into college football. Um, so uh, having, having spoken with him this fall, he was, he was dying to get back into college football. Um, head coach emeritus, I guess, if you will. Yeah, I don't know. Good, good for him. Jeff, Jeff's got some energy he'll bring yeah. to it, and um, why not? Yeah, it likes it here. So, uh, I'm looking through. There were the season of the podcast presented by Jody Jones DDS. Jody's a former Commodore football player. He is in the general and cosmetic dentistry business. 
You can check him out in his spy-like atmosphere. He is the go-to dentist in Nashville for movie stars, music stars, athletes, coaches, all kinds of folks trust Jody for the outstanding work that he does. Atmosphere is just first class. It's a spy-like atmosphere. You won't believe it till you've seen it. There's no other dentist's office like it. Anyway, please thank Jody Jones for his sponsorship of our podcast. He's a former Commodore football player and booster. We appreciate what he's done to keep our podcast going this year. According to the media guide, there was a J. Hammerschmidt and an M. Hammerschmidt who played 1964 to 66 and another from 69 to 70. I'm just going to go out on a limb and say they were related. Uh, great football name. Hey, if, I'm, if I'm picking a football name, Hammerschmidt's not a bad place to start. No, but I would think you were playing at Penn State or something like that. Yeah, that's <laughs> you know. Yeah, one of those has got to be a, a linebacker at Penn State, right? To be sure, my friend, to be sure. I think the best linebacker name ever was Michael Stonebreaker. From Notre Dame. Yes, sir. He could play a yeah, bit. Yeah, he, 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 was, he was pretty good. <laughs> he was pretty darn good. Well, I will, um, I'll stop with the, the names for now because we could go on for a while. What else is on your mind? What else is on my mind? <laughs> I don't want to put that on a podcast. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, I, I did see where uh, uh, there was a post today saying that it looks like we've emerged as the leaders from for the young man uh, who backed out of the Arizona pledge. Yeah. And between that and a couple of the recent transfers, and I'm like, you know, I'm not really sure why, but all of a sudden there's some smoke around stacking the program. You know, I mean, I mean, well, no, seriously, think about it, Chris, because I mean, it wasn't just a few, I mean, look, we resigned ourselves to the fact that we're losing Scotty Pippen Jr., you know, and had some transfers out. And I don't know if you, we were asking the question, are we going to even have a basketball team where enough people play? You know, I don't want to do like they had tryouts at the intramural tryout, you know, and do all that. Uh, but all of a sudden, I mean, we might – pretty respectable, man. I mean, I mean, they get Dort and Shelby. I mean, two, two commits, they – from a what have we done to deserve this lately shouldn't even have been in the conversation yet gets both of them. And not from – it isn't like he went down the street to the NBA. They were from Texas. You know, so, I mean, for a team who has won what? Six conference games in three years. Uh, I mean, they shouldn't be able to get off the mat. I mean, look, I'm not. They're not going to Final Four next year, but they may not be half bad next year. If the uh, if the Stackhouse tenure were a ride at Disney World, would would Mr. Toad's Wild Ride be the the fifth there? Maybe because, and, and to, uh, with full disclosure, I've never been there, so I probably couldn't name another ride, but I do know that one, so I would have probably said that, you know. I mean, it's, 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 well, what's, uh, what's, what's the line in the uh, Grateful Dead song, What a Long Strange Trip It's Been? Oh, uh, hey, look, I, I'm not going to get into it, but I, I had another one of those calls this week. I'm not going to get into, but uh, I, I think I've decided. Instead of looking at this like as a basketball program, I've got it wrong. Just kind of look at it like it's the WWF or the WWE, and you just kind of follow it for the drama, right? Mm-hmm. 
Well, all I know is this much. You can't say something like that. You're at least going to have to tell me after the after the after the say something like that and then I take it now my mind is in a million different places. Yeah, I, I think that I think there's I think there's still a lot of golf involved, but anyway, um it you is know, what it is at this well, point. Look, so if he wants to let me tell you something. Let me tell you, if he wants to join the damn PT, PGA tour, I'm all right with that as long as he builds a basketball team and we can get this thing turned around. Yeah, you know? I, I think you joined the tour after you've gone to the tournament a few times. Uh but but you can do it this way too. You can <laughs> I mean, nobody's going to stop him, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, but, you know, I mean, look, I mean, at this point right now, I mean, go play golf because, like I said, I mean, he's done a very good job recruiting uh, in, in this cycle and has got some potentially meaningful transfers coming in. I mean, at this point, what else is there? It's May. Yeah, you, you got to win at some point. But again, I think I've, I, mean, I think really I've just, I think I've been looking at this the wrong way. I think you just need to look yeah. at it for the, for the drama and the storylines and and what can happen next no, and who's going to get blocked on Twitter no, and. <laughs> no, don't be that guy. Don't turn into that person, Chris. But I, I would just say this: in May, like I said, Dort Shelby probably going to get this kid from Arizona. Uh, he got a couple of meaningful transfers, and you don't play for five months. I mean, if the dude wants to shoot a couple rounds of golf, of course, I don't know what you heard yet. So, I mean, if it's just about playing golf, then that's not going to phase me any. But, uh, you know, I mean, look, if those things hadn't happened and we lost all these people, because, look, the transfer side of things, the people that we lost other than Dylan, I'm not going to lose sleep over. I love Max. I do. But he was woefully inconsistent, you know. I mean, I'm just not losing sleep over losing Isaac McBride. He averages four points a game. What do I care at, at, at the end of the day? Uh, you know, and the question is, is he being replaced with something better? Well, we didn't get anything out of Isaac McBride. You know, flash here and there. So I'm not ups- I'm not overly concerned with those guys. And frankly, well, this is now no longer a Vanderbilt thing. This is a college basketball thing now. I mean, you just better get used to this, Chris, because these day, those days – as, as long as it's still in place like this, those days are long gone for everybody, for everybody. Yeah. And and here's something else for you. With this whole G League thing going on, uh, and you got these, these top flight players not going to Kentucky and not going to Duke. I mean, they still get theirs, obviously. Uh, but making the decisions to go places, uh, you know, instead of going somewhere like that, go to the G League and do their thing there. Uh, you know, I mean... It's just, it's just basketball. College basketball is completely different now. You know, it, it just is. Of course, right now, if I could have anybody, I think I'd, I'd like to have Rick Barnes. I don't know what he's telling them, but it's working. You know, it, it's working. He, you talk about somebody who's killing it. I would say something pound for pound with, with all things considered, because Tennessee is not a basketball player. It's not basketball royalty. It's not a that hit their own school doesn't even call themselves a basketball school because they're not. But I mean, they're turning into that. I mean, you get the what is the Chandler kid out of Kansas City? You know, you got a couple of five star players. Uh, I mean, and think about this: you got a couple of players uh, like Anthony Jennings, who's in the NBA now. He was going to Tennessee. You know, whatever Rick Barnes is selling them, they're buying. 
you know, I don't know what it is, but they're biting. But I'll, you know, I'll just say this. Now, I understand, you know, Jerry Stackhouse has not exactly lit the world on fire since he's been there. But I'm real interested to see uh, what happens here in the offseason. Well, like I said, it is it is not dull. It is never dull over there. Let's see here. Uh, oh. <laughs> you got the text? Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. would I do that? No. No, no. No, <laughs> no you would not. From what? <laughs> so I understand where you're coming from with that, but I mean. I just, no. I just laugh I, anymore. I I, I, like I said, I. Well, what I, can you do right now anyway? Chris? The, the, the entertainment, right the, look, the entertainment value of the stack era has been there. And I've, I've missed that. Um, like I said, I, I think I just need to start looking at this differently because um, you, you just never know what's going to happen next over there. It, you know, it, you wake up and you're blocked on Twitter or or any number of things. So, Well, I mean, I think we would both agree that things have exponentially gotten better on the West End in the last couple of months. And I'm just, I'm just saying... Uh, I, I think okay, I, lose, losing away. Pippen and Dassault. That wasn't a question. Okay. That wasn't a that wasn't a question, Chris. That's a fact, and you know that. Wait, wait, what? What? What part are you speaking to? The whole dad come athletic department. Yeah, I mean they they you made some they made some good moves. Yeah. Uh yeah, three hundred million dollars. Uh, uh, is 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 now in play. Derek Mason's no longer the coach there. Stephanie White's no longer the coach there. Uh, we'll replaced with what looked to be, you know, viable uh, possibility to, you know, viable coaches. We'll see. Uh, you know, I mean, got a top two or three baseball team not playing great right now, but still uh, doing their thing. Not that that's new. Uh, hey, man. I mean, you know. <laughs> There's no way you can't see that that there's a a that look, and I, I get it, and I, I get being skeptical, but there's no way you can't see that some positive changes are taking place over there athletically. They just are. Well, I mean, when when you when you throw three hundred million dollars at a thing in one day, I mean that that kind of eclipses the whole last hundred years. <laughs> so the, so there's that. <laughs> All right, look, I mean, I, do, does that fix everything? No, but. I mean, you got to start somewhere. You weren't expecting a billion dollars, were you? No, I I think that they're just so far from winning in anything other than baseball right now. You and I were having this discussion uh, pre-podcast on the phone, and, and I think this kind of tells you where they are in football. Have you ever heard of an SEC team that had one kid drafted and one kid get a camp invite, and that was it? Tennessee had no players drafted a couple of years ago. Yeah, but I mean, usually get, even when Vanderbilt's really bad, they get four or five kids invited to camp, don't they? Yeah, but I mean, but Chris, this is, I mean, I would feel bad if this was the second year of the Clark Lee era. No, 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 I get it. I'm just saying, I think that it was, that was one of those. Okay, I, I did two things this week that kind of made me realize how far they've got to go. And look, I'm I'm not I'm not taking a shot in anything they've done. I mean, the the, the commitment, the financial commitment, it was great. It just, you know, I've been I've been 
the gloom and do guy since 2014 and 15 saying, hey, guys, um, this whole thing is about to to just go to crap. Um, you know, because it, 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 you, could, you could see this stuff, right? And, and I was alarmist and everything, and, and here we are. But I was writing the preview for Lindy's this week for them for football for next year. And just between some of the stuff in that and and just the, the realization that they only had two kids on that whole team that left that were deemed even worthy of, of being in an NFL camp, that was that was one of those you kind of sit up and I don't want to say take note, but you, you know what I mean? Does that make sense? I mean that that was that was kind of a a, a cold bucket of water in the face, I guess. And I get that, you know. But you know, like in the case of the foot, of football, in this case, you also have to remember. Well, and, and not that I'm saying this is a good thing in regards to whatever, but we didn't lose very much. And a lot of that team is back. I mean, look at the offense. You know, what'd you lose off that offense that's gone? You know, out, out, in, in, except for somebody transferring. Grant Miller, that's like it. That, like, yeah. You know, except for transfer. I mean. You're not losing anybody. So why would they be in an NFL camp? They're still in school. Yeah, I mean, they lost. Here's another interesting thing. Remember about this time a year ago we had the Dimitri Moore podcast? Dimitri Moore. That kid had just disappeared off the face of the earth. Yeah, the pride of Cedar Hill, Texas. Yeah, I mean that was yeah. well. Well, if you remember, if you remember, it was about well. Uh, I don't know if it was about this. Well, you know what? It wouldn't have been too far from about this time when we were doing a Demetri Moore podcast, and I was talking about uh, I blew you away. I said, "Look it up." I'm looking at two or three different mock drafts that have this dude going in the first round. Well, and that validates everything we said that a mock draft a year out is pretty worthless because we were both like, "What?" That guy? Um, but, I mean, they saw the athleticism, and, and obviously somebody in the scouting department somewhere saw something. But the fact that he didn't get picked, isn't in a camp, hasn't transferred anywhere, I mean, that's just weird. Well, he wasn't going to give – he didn't play. So he wasn't going to get picked, you know. But it wasn't one of those things where, like you said, it wasn't one of those things where he was, you know, opting out, you know, because of, of Kobe's. He he was nowhere, you know. Right. So I don't know, right. you know. But yeah, I mean, the, the, the Vanderbilt thing as far as how many people this and that. Well, first of all, we weren't losing very many people, and I, I don't I don't think that it is a, a a reflection of where this program is. I think it's it's a reflection of where this program has been. Well, you know, and, and I, I would just I think those are two different things. Yeah, to, to underscore kind of what Clark's getting this year, I, I didn't realize this, but their top five tacklers last year were all defensive backs. Um, Ooh, that's a terrible surprise. Uh, yeah, and, the, and and number six was Ethan Barr. Um, they had two linemen with more than eighteen tackles, and they're both gone. I didn't realize this. Um, Rashawn Wilkins. Started nine games and had eight tackles last year. Well, now I could say something that you'd be like, "Wow, oh, that doesn't, 
you know, that that's not a I, I know I know in that scheme your job isn't it's, always to make tackles. But it's but but job. you would you would think that it might be a little more. Um and I figured out they've got are they returning guys? All the kids on defense who are returning, which is most of them, they had four and a half sacks and one pick put together. Yeah. So that that I'm I'm not I'm not trying to um I, I'm just saying when when you start setting expectations for this year in football, um, and, and realize what he's taken over, between doing yeah. that this week and and just it hitting me today, like they only had two guys that <laughs> that are in NFL camp off last year's team. When most years, even if you're bad, you have six or seven. That that was just one of those that 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 was like this is illustrative of of how bad it really got at the end of Derek Mason's tenure. Okay, but I will remind you, how many games did Vanderbilt win when Robbie Caldwell was their head coach? I believe that was two. They won two. Who coached that team the next year? James Franklin, but, yeah. What what was their regular season record? uh, They would have been six and seven, and and darn near, that that could have easily been seven and six. They had several near misses in there. Yeah. That's right. They went six and six and lost in the Liberty Bowl to Cincinnati. That team, and what we both together said after that two-win, Robert Caldwell said, this is the low point. Can it get any lower? And the very next season, they were in a bowl game. So I just would caution against making predictions and expectations about what this team is going to be. And, and hey, it may be terrible because we don't have the defensive personnel quite in place yet. And I get that. But I, if I would have told you, if we were been doing the podcast, and I'm sure we probably were, and I said, Chris, I'm telling you right now, you know, when they walked off the field in that last game of Robbie Caldwell, I'm telling you right now, I'll see you at the Liberty Bowl next year. We're playing in it. We're going to win six games. You would have called me every name in the book. Yeah. And we didn't have anything remotely close to a quarterback like what we have now. And, and, and with all apologies to, uh, to, and I believe that was uh, Austin, if I remember correct, correctly. Um, Rob, uh, uh, excuse me, uh, Ken Seals is be- by far a better quarterback. By far a better quarterback. Wait a minute. Their, frankly, their quarterback going into back. James's first year was Larry Smith, and then it became Jordan Rogers, and then it became Austin okay, Carter yeah, Sanders. Larry Smith was quarterbacking us at the Liberty Bowl, if I remember correctly. Uh, yeah, well, no. Um, no, it was um, – was it not? It was Jordan Rogers. No, Larry Smith quarterback the Music City Bowl. That was like, was that like okay, the first okay. game he played? Okay, all right. So then it would have been Jordan. Uh, then it had been Jordan Rogers uh, and Zach, I believe, was our running back. Uh, and and so while Zach is clearly better than the, the running backs we have right now, we'll see what Davis is. But you know, losing Keon, uh, it, it certainly hurts. Uh, but um, you know, and Zach can certainly toes the mail there's no doubt about that I think overall offensively I mean we'll see what happens because you know they have they haven't played the game and we got a brand new coach and brand new system but I mean we've got weapons you know they look really good in the spring game and I understand that could be partially about the defense I get all of that I'm aware 
All I'm saying is I could have got every dime you ever made if I would have bet you after that Robbie Caldwell game that this team would be playing in a bowl game next year. I could have got every dime you've ever made, and you know that's true. Oh, you're you're right. I, I wonder, though, if we went back and you said, let's take some people that based on what we've seen on the field so far, you can say this guy might play in the NFL, this guy might be first or SEC first or second All-SEC one day. I feel like we probably could have identified those guys a little bit better. Um, at the time James came into to spring practice, his first year, that then, or, or maybe after James left spring practice, I, I, heck, I, it's hard to remember who was on the team, but I feel like that might have been an easy... I, don't, I guess what I'm getting at is this, okay? I don't feel like I've ever had a harder time generating a list of like, okay, give me five kids who might get drafted one day or give me five kids who might be NFL or, or, or might be first or second team all SEC players one day. Like when, when Dio was here from the minute he stepped on the field, you could see that that kid had talent, right? I just don't look across this roster and see a lot of players that I can say this kid's going to be a star in the league or that kid's going to be in an NFL player. No, there's one somewhere, right? Uh, and maybe it's a Bradley Ashmore or somebody like that who's really new, especially linemen. Sometimes, um, you know, junior, senior year, they really hit it. And, and so it's probably somewhere in there. But, like, if I said right now, um, give me a defensive player who's got a 20% chance of being drafted. Could you name one? Gabe Judy Lally. Really? Why not? You think you think there's a I mean, one in five chance he'll get picked? I mean, you, 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 <laughs> yeah, but that still leaves me an eighty percent chance window that he won't. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, I mean, look, you you, you had a name. I'll give you that. I I couldn't even think of one. I mean, maybe. Um, gosh. <laughs> Maybe, maybe Derricky Wright or somebody like that. If you're really projecting, I I don't know. It, it's just it's it's harder it's harder to identify that type of kid right now than it's ever been for me. Well, but think about yes, and that, and that's true. But think about this. I mean, because right, I mean, right now that's hard. We've got a lot of really young guys, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, because I could say to you, I mean, guys that are coming in that haven't actually played yet, but guys like Marcus Bradley and Tyrion Sujic and, you know, guys like that, I mean, those are highly thought-of kids, you know, that lots and lots and lots of big-time programs wanted. You know, I mean, I want to see what happens under, you know, uh, this this brand new coaching staff and what they look like. I'm about to write them off yet. They haven't done anything, and Rick, Ricky hadn't played enough football yet, you know. So we'll see. I mean, but you're basically putting that solely on accolades, right? Because well, I mean, if we're just doing that, we've got plenty of decently recruited players on there. Let, let me let me put it another way, okay? I think that like you can find somebody and say usually like sometimes a guy flashes at the end of his freshman year and has a two sack game or has an interception and three pass breakups or has a 13 tackle game or something like that that pops a little bit you're like hey that's pretty good for a freshman I don't think that they've got a kid on the defense that's ever had a game like that that just makes you I guess the closest maybe 
was Jerkins had a couple of big tackle games as a freshman, but that career hadn't really gone anywhere. Jalen Mahoney has Mahoney Mahoney would be the closest because Mahoney got a really good grade from Pro Football Focus. Uh, I remember as as a cover guy his freshman year, and he played at three hundred ish snaps, which is a nice size. But I mean, Jalen also kind of went backwards last year uh, and and didn't follow it up. So you know what? But I tell you what. when you're in a situation like he was in, I'm stunned when the whole unit doesn't, you know, I mean, look, playing football like that, just frankly, it sucks, Chris. It's no fun anymore. You know, it, 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 you don't even look forward to the, when you are a player and you no longer look forward to the games, imagine what the daily grind is like, the running, the lifting, the study hall, the breakfast check, everything that goes into it, the training, the film study, and you're terrible and you're absolutely awful to the point where you're getting railroaded in games, where's the joy? There isn't any. Well, and look, you heard me say this all last year. They had a whole extra layer of misery, um, I think, put on them by that school and, and frankly, that athletic director. Um (laughs) <laughs> that 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 clouded everything. I, I I've never heard of a year as miserable as the one they had a year ago. Uh, so so there's that. But I guess I'm here's another way to put it. Like I can think of a lot of awful Vanderbilt defenses, but they had like a Demon Winston or a Chris Gaines or or somebody who kind of stood out. And like every time that you know you turn on a Vanderbilt game, your your friends that were Tennessee or Alabama fans would be like, man, that kid is really good. And everybody knew about him. They just didn't have that guy on defense that that's kind of popped up. That, that he's either done that or even has flashed. Hey, this guy I might be able to do really, that. Yeah. Would you really feel better if this we had that one guy? You know, I mean, because uh, what Zach was able to do don't grow on trees, no matter how good you are. Right. You know, and I and, and I and I certainly get that, but because even when we had those one guys, he wasn't beating Auburn by himself. You know, th- and things like that, and not beating Auburn. It was Georgia that they beat, and nearly beat Auburn when he broke when he blocked the flipping field goal. You know, at the end of the game, I mean, he was heroic. You know, and do we have a, a Zach Cunningham? No, uh, but we've got a bunch of really young highly recruited players with a brand new coach who was one of the best defensive coordinators in the in college football uh, and has been for the last couple of years, who has more skin in the game than any coach we've had before. So I'm going to see what happens first, you know. And I understand your points are all valid, but that was 2020 and before. This is 2021. This is Clark Lee. This is a different group, you know. I mean – Will the result be different? I don't know. I can't tell you that in May. I can't tell you that in May. It's impossible for me to do that. But if some of these guys, you know, and I think about a guy like Davion Davis. You know, Davion Davis, I mean, so I'm thinking about this. He he could conceivably still play three more years, right? Because last year was a lost year. Right, right, yeah. Loss is not the right way to put it. Davion Davis with some talent around him in another two years? Yeah, I could see him getting in, uh, into a camp in the NFL somewhere, you know. Why not? Yeah. Now, offense, I think it's different. I mean, I don't oh, know what yeah. the pros are going to think of Seals, but the talent's obvious. Uh, the transfer from Temple, Davis, 
Looks like Reminded. a pretty good player. Yeah, I mean, Cam Johnson, I could see Cam. I don't know if Cam will get drafted because I don't know if he's got elite speed, but Cam catches balls. He'll get a camp invite. I mean, Pierce could always get converted maybe into a flex tight end. Wouldn't shock me. I don't know if he's if he's good enough, but I don't know that he's not. I mean, and, and you have a lineman. They've, got, they've now got 10 linemen who started a game at some point in their career. And they seem right. to spit a lineman into the NFL every two or three years. So odds are somebody there is going to pop at some point. Uh, but I, I just, on defense, I'm just at a loss. Well, you know, and on defense, well, I mean, we'll just have to see. Uh, but, and I got to get wrapped this up, Chris, because I told you 30 minutes, look what you've done. Listen to me, son. I've got a job to do. Uh, I want to go back to Chris Pierce for just a second, okay? Let, let's. I mean, you know, that light came on last year. I mean, and it didn't just come on. It came on like a mug. I mean, he was, he just looked like a totally different football player. Totally different. I mean, this was a guy who blocked for two or three years and could occasionally snag a pass and fall forward for a couple yards. That is not who I saw last year. That's not who he's been in this in the spring. And I reckon he's probably not going to be that guy in the fall either. I mean, he may just be scratching. The light may have just come on. And this is not Randy Moss. I'm not calling him that. But what I'm telling you is he's made such a drastic improvement. in, And I have to call it a short amount of time because he was the, basically the same player for two or three years. Agreed? Oh, yeah, look, when if you had said two years ago, what what's the over-under of catches that Chris Pierce will have in his career over 25 yards? I'd have probably put it at one because you can always have a DB slip or something or a busted coverage and somebody walks into one. But that kid had what the – and so it was the coverage. But he had, what, the 80-yard catch against Purdue two years ago. Um, he had that play against Florida where he's just running down the middle field and what shoving guys down. And I think we all sat up in our chairs a little bit when he did that. He did. That is a really good example of, of sometimes you think you know what a player is, and there's a little something else there to him uh, that, that sticks out to you that surprises. So I, I, th- I think there there's some fair points to be made with him. Yeah, I'm kind of bullish on him because, I mean, I don't think that was just a – uh, you know, I just don't think that it was uh, coincidence. Uh, not coincidence, but I don't, I don't. I'm not really sure the word I'm looking for. I don't think it was. Mm, I don't know. I think you know what I'm trying to say. I mean, I, I think that the light truly did come on. I don't think it was a case of a a DB slipping or or something like that. No, he, I I agree. Like just to be clear, yeah, that. yeah, yeah. So I mean, I, and so yeah, I mean, he's he's a guy that I. I could. I would he get drafted? Maybe. You know, it depends on what his connection is with with uh, Ken Seals this year and how they do. Uh, but I mean, the guy's got the size. We already know he can block. You know, and so I mean, he made. You know, if he if he if he, I'll say this: if he improves on what he did last year, Chris Pierce could find himself being drafted in the NFL maybe on the third day. Yeah, absolutely, no doubt. I'm, I got one more in my mind we hadn't brought up. I'm going to see if you can guess. And I will, I will give you one hint to help. It's not an offensive lineman. Oh, is, is this on the offense? Oh, well, if it's on the offense, I know who it is. All right, let's I hear it. Is. 
It's Ben Bresnahan. Yes, yes, it is. Very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's easy. I, you know, hey, I get one. I get, I get, you know, I, I, I make contact every now and then. Uh, yeah, that's easy. I mean, you know, he, he fits the mold of, uh, of today's tight end anyway. You know, and and he's just getting, he's only getting better. I mean, I think he's already a good tight end. I think he's got good hands, and I think he runs good routes. And I think we're just going to, I'd like to see him be a little faster, you know, maybe. But uh, I, I like him a lot, and I think he fits the mold of, a, of a today's tight end. So I think that's easily been Bresnahan. Yeah, I think that's one where I think the 40 time will be everything. Because I don't know what he'll run. And that's one of those where, like, he's got the skills, and if he's if he's fast enough by a little bit, I could see him playing in the league for a while. But if he runs a tenth or two slower than he needs to, I mean, he's he's a guy where I think he's on that margin where that's probably going to mean everything. Yes, sir. I think the forty comes. It comes. That's what it comes down to as well, my friend. What do you think? I think we did all right. Yeah, for for not wanting to go over 30 minutes and not having a lot of material, um, I think we did fine. In minute 54, yeah, in minute 54. Right, as right. I cur- as, I, as, I curse you, as I curse you out curse you out in my mind. Well, um, I'm going to give you the floor to end the show today. I'm, I'm actually going to, and you don't even know this, I'm going to add to the end of this podcast, there's an interview that Braden Gall had with... Um, Jawan Williams that I've not even heard yet that's going to go on the end of this. So just for the audience to know, when Seabass and I quit talking, the pod's not over because that's going to be on there. But I do want to give you the floor to tell your audience where to find you online in terms of your shows and on Twitter. Yeah, you can find my show at 101.5 FM in Jackson, Tennessee, Monday through Friday, 6 to 8. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at, at Cheap Seats Bass. What about that? I like it. Thanks, my friend. We'll see you next week. Yeah, you're welcome. I'll be glad to. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Now keep listening. Braden Gall, who is part of our network at 440 Sports, has an interview with Jawan Williams where he looks back on his career at Vanderbilt, talks about some key takeaways from that, what he would like to do with his life after football, uh, and some other things, what he's learned in the NFL, how Vanderbilt helped prepare him for that. The full interview is on Braden's podcast at 440 Sports. But in any case, be sure and give that whole episode a listen. And now here's the clip with Braden and Jawan Williams. You you had a lot of offers for other schools that we would call, quote-unquote, bigger football schools. Let's call them in a, in a loose way than maybe Vanderbilt is. But it means so much to you, hometown, family, all that stuff. What advice would you tell a 16-year-old right now going through the recruiting process and sort of weighing out all the things that they've got to think through because you certainly had your priorities and and that might be different than somebody else's priorities. But what would your advice be to a 16 year old right now going through that process now that you've graduated and made it to the league? Uh, My biggest thing would be, my biggest thing would be try to to try to find um, my biggest thing would be try to find a coaching staff, a team uh, that's going to be invested in you uh, too, as much as because when, when you agree to come to a school, I mean, you're in, I mean, you're hoping that that school will give everything they can for you also. I mean, it's, it might not be always the, the, the lights and sounds. I was committed to, I mean, basically I was going to LSU before I decided to go to Vandy at the last minute. Man, just, you got to find, you got to make sure that you find a school that's, that's willing to invest in you. Because uh, I feel like, I, I, I now feel like, I mean, if I was in anywhere else, I mean, it could have been a whole different outcome. I could have moved positions or I could have, 
I mean, a lot of people were a lot of people were like, yeah, we don't. I mean, we don't like you at corner. We feel like you're a safety and all of this stuff. Like, what if I went to another school and got got changed? I mean, like Coach Mason uh, in that process was like, you're a corner. I'm gonna make sure you work as a corner. I'm gonna make sure. I, I mean, I'm gonna make sure I get you to where you want to be. I believe in you. Uh, if you commit here, you know, I believe in you as much as you believe in this organization. And I'm gonna make sure all of that pays off. And um, that's kind of the biggest thing for me. He just, I mean, pretty much was just, and all the, I mean, these coaches, they, they, they give, I mean, of course it's all recruiting. They give you the, they give you the <laughs> recruiting pitch, come here and all those stuff. But, and once you get there, it's kind of a different story, but uh, it was a blessing, man. I, I made, I feel like I really made the right decision because I mean, even at Vandy, even at Vandy, it was, I mean, I had some, had some long nights, man. And it was some, 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 some tough, Sorry, I, I cuss on. I don't know if I can cuss. You, you can, you can say whatever. Oh, okay, yo, let's move. Oh, this is a <laughs> podcast. I was, I was trying to censor myself. Uh, don't do that. But uh, <laughs> twenty twenty one, man. <laughs> but um, no, man. It, it, you just gotta. Hopefully, I, I mean, I hope every kid makes the right decision. Uh, but you really gotta find. You really gotta find that school that you believe that will invest as like as much as they can into you, also. Uh, not only not only as an athlete, but as a man. And um, I look at Vandy and the opportunities that that the football program was gave uh, has given me from all the internships that I was doing over the summer, finding finding my niche. I learned that I hate corporate America. Um, I can't sit in a I can't sit in a in a in a in a suit and tie in a cubicle all day. I need to move. I need to interact with people. I can't. But I mean, I would never known. I would have never known if it weren't for you know the opportunities that presented itself at Vanderbilt. And I took it back. I don't hate corporate America. I just don't. <laughs> I just don't want to work. I just don't want to work in a cubicle. Uh, I'm not. I'm trying to make sure I still got some job opportunities after my career is over. <laughs> with. They're gonna bring up this podcast and find and say, oh, well, your application is done.